It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. To say at this moment that I'm disappointed would be kind of an understatement. I am almost livid with rage to the point that I think that I need to take a little bit of a, a moment to compose myself because an evening that was supposed to be a celebration of one of the greatest return men of all time, Devin Hester getting into the Hall of Fame, has turned into a huge disappointment. And again, I'm a little heated. I'm just coming outside of honors right now. And you know what? I'm going to take a moment. So, Sammy, roll the animation and let's start the show. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. With Adam Ray. Trying to cut it back. Justin Fields making magic happen. There goes Fields. Touchdown. The sickest Chicago Bears and fantasy football podcast. Sports entertainment like no other. It's going to be sick. Welcome, everybody, to the Sick Podcast. I am Adam Rank. Thank you so much for being here. Cash will be joining us here in just a moment. Be talking about the big game, Super Bowl Sunday. But before we do that, I did want to take a little bit of a, an opportunity here because moments ago, I just walked out of the YouTube theater here just outside the complex at SoFi Stadium where Super Bowl 56 will be held. And NFL Honors just concluded a great show. Always a wonderful evening. One of the one of the highlights of Super Bowl week, I, I will be quite honest with you, something that I was looking forward to when you get the assignment, you know, we got our assignments and I don't know if you've paid attention to what I've been able to do on NFL Network over the last couple of weeks or the last week, I should say, you know, going around town, Venice Beach, the comedy store, you know, Wolfgang Puck hanging out, eating pizza with Wolfgang Puck. Like it, it doesn't get much better than that. But of course, honors was always the one thing in addition to the game, of course, that I was looking forward to. And this evening was supposed to be a celebration of Devin Hester, the greatest return man of all time. And when you looked at this class, when you looked at the first-time eligible players, and I think it came down to Devin Hester, DeMarcus Ware, as first-time guys with the possibility of getting into the Hall of Fame. You know, last year we had Peyton Manning, we had Charles Woodson, Calvin Johnson, automatic, automatic people, you know, and if Devin Hester had been in a in a class like that, I would have understood some of the reservations. But to me, I think it's kind of misguided to not have Devin Hester go into this class. And I know that Hall of Fame voters always like to, to, to celebrate their own self-importance, to kind of feel like they are better than the players who actually played the game. And be like, oh, no, 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 no. You can't be a first-time Hall of You can't be a first-ballot. Hall of Famer. You got to wait. You got to wait. L- listen, you're either a Hall of Famer or you are not. Devin Hester is either the greatest of all time 
or he is not. He is certainly the greatest of all time. Nobody, as a return man, has done more to damage, to disrupt, to ruin games and game plans like Devin Hester. Now, we can sit there and, you know, we can argue about, like, well, somebody had this many touchdowns. or that, None of that matters. You know, Devin Hester, 18, 20 touchdowns, I forget what it is, not important right now. Obviously, those numbers are going to be a little bit skewed because at some point, special teams coordinators and head coaches stopped kicking him the ball. And that is really one of the things that we don't talk about enough, that with the Bears teams of that era, how much of an influence he was over opposing teams' game plans. And, you know, there was a famous story, too, with Tony Dungy, you know, coming into the Super Bowl, said he he's like, I'm not kicking the ball to Devin Hester. No matter what happens in this game, we are not kicking the ball to Devin Hester. Not going to happen. And, of course, something happened. He read the story of David and Goliath, and I don't know if he misconstrued what that story actually meant. He's like, well, I'm not going to be afraid of Devin Hester. I'm going to kick him the ball. He returns the opening kickoff for a touchdown. We all thought the Bears were going to go on to win that Super Bowl. Of course, you know, there was an interception. And then no, I, I, I don't remember what happened. I know Alex Brown and I talked about it on Tuesday night with the Tank It, Take It to the Rank uh, show that we do, or I do, and I bring in guests. But here's the thing, is that that happened every week. These coaches and coordinators, they would look at the Bears and said, you know what, their biggest threat, their biggest scoring threat is kicking the football to Devin Hester. So not only was he a weapon as somebody that you would kick the football to and him changing field position and flopping field position, but think of the times that they kicked it out of the end zone. You know, so the Bears were starting at the 20 or 25. I know there was a rule change at some point. Or how many times they were just trying to avoid him. They kicked it out of bounds and you started a, started the game at the 40. He was an absolute presence on the football field. And to me, it's actually a disservice by the Hall of Fame voters to not recognize this, to not take that to, into account. I don't understand that if you're given the, the honor of telling the story of the game through choosing those who will represent pro football in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, it is your absolute duty to recognize the greatest in the field. There is nobody who has been better than Devin Hester. And, and to not put him in because you want to make him wait, because you don't feel he's going to be a first-time... Like, I asked... I, listen, I won't say who it was. I cornered one of these guys. I was hot. I was heated. And I said, why? Why, why were they not voting for Devin Hester? Ah, maybe, yeah, there's some people... What, what, what are the concerns? He's a Hall of Famer. There's no question about it. Why are you making him wait five years? And then listen, and I don't want to take away from any of the other guys who made it to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I thought it was fantastic that Tony Baselli finally got in, but I thought it was an outrage that you made him wait for so long. Every year they had the same argument, you know, and it was like, well, did he play long? Well, listen, he was a he was a five-time pro or a four-time pro. By the way, Patrick Willis. Patrick Willis played eight years in the NFL, and I know it's not a long career. He was an all-pro five of those eight years. Over half the years he played in the NFL, he was an all-pro, recognized as the best in the game. Why are you making him wait? I, I, I would, I would, if you were going to tell me that a, a member of the San Francisco 49ers was going to make the Pro Football Hall of Fame, I would have taken Patrick Willis. Uh, Leroy Butler. Le Leroy Butler, again, I think he's a great player. 
he should be in the Hall of Fame. I think he got overlooked, you know, playing with Brett Favre and Reggie White, Sterling Sharp, all those great players. But at the same time, like he's he's good. Like I again, I don't want to take away from the guys who are making it. Sam Mills, happy for him, happy for his family. The guy who started the keep pounding mantra. That's fine. Like I'm happy for all those people. And I don't want to, I don't want to make any, I don't I don't want to say that nobody doesn't deserve to be there. You know what? Bryant Young doesn't deserve to be there. I will be perfectly truthful with you. He was a good player. If the San Francisco 49ers wanted to go out there and retire his number and put him in their ring of honor, but he played with some of the all-time greats. I don't think he was better than Charles Haley. I don't think he was better than Patrick Willis. How is that guy going into the Hall of Fame over Devin Hester? That I, I guess that's the one. I will drill down on, on the one guy. And no disrespect to him. Fantastic player. Like, it's great. Like, you, you're, you're one of the best who have ever done it. But it's like watching Top Gun. You know, there's, there's Iceman and there's Maverick. There's other guys in the room. The other guys are not top gun. This is for the best of the best. Devin Hester, when we start a conversation, who is the best return man of all time? It's almost unanimous that it's going to be Devin Hester. So the fact that I, I, I wish I knew, I wish I had a better read. I wish I had a better explanation for you. I wish I had better reasoning, but I don't. And I apologize. And you know what? Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to start Rounding up some of these voters, because I want answers. I tried to get them tonight. I was a little heated. It was a night of celebration. But you know what? I, I tell you, it was, like, it was like being there at the Allstate Arena for Punk versus Cena, where with the Bears fans, like we were out here just acting like he was going to get in. Like it was like, it was fait accompli. It was going to be a, a celebration. Unfortunately, it didn't work out that way. But in any event, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. We still have a football game uh, to be going here. And by the way, I will let you know, by, if you still happen to be around the TV, uh, the NFL Network, uh, I was on the red carpet tonight with Kimmy Checks. Friday, Saturday, we'll, I will be back out in Los Angeles. Friday, going to Universal Studios. Going to go check that out. We're at Warner Brothers on Tuesday. Went to the Friends set. So that'll be a lot of fun. Saturday, we'll be out at the Santa Monica Pier. And then Sunday... I can't say if I'm going to the game. Actually, I can. I'm going to the game. So you know what? As I humble brag that, why don't we bring in my friend Cash to uh, help break this game down? You know what, Cash? Sorry that I made you sit there. First of all, thank you for staying up so late. I know it's late on the East Coast, so I appreciate you being with me. So that's huge. How are you doing? I'm good, man. I'm uh, I'm doing good. I'm excited to break down this game for you, and uh, we'll we'll get to we'll get to work on this Super Bowl. Okay. Uh, first things first, though. What the, what the heck? with the LA Rams hat. You had a 49ers hat on the majority of the season. That that's you're so fickle. You turn that quickly? Uh no, uh, truth be told the Rams are like my least favorite team probably in the entire <laughs> NFL. But uh I'm sure you can take a guess as to why I'm wearing that. And uh let, let, it's, let's not keep it a secret. I'm going to be on the Rams for the Super Bowl. Okay. Okay, that's we thought about that last week. I know that we didn't want to put you on the spot, make you Put your prediction out there immediately. I wanted to give you an opportunity to digest all the information. What was the biggest key for you in picking the Rams for Sunday? It came down to one really, really important metric, and that's the run defense of the Bengals. Uh, I'm going to dive a little bit into it. So the Rams, they're heading into the Super Bowl with Matt Stafford, who's been great, right? But he's prone to interception. He's prone to some mistakes. What can you do to limit the to risk, limit the variables in, in him throwing the ball? 
you're going to run the ball, and here's why you're going to run the ball. It's not even about your run offense. It's about the lack of run defense on the Bengals. Here's the thing. The Bengals are 21st DVOA rushing success against the run. That's not great. Right. And here's another thing. The Rams have played terrific run defenses in these last six weeks that they played. They played the 49ers twice, who are number one against the run and, and graded overall weight against the run. They played the Baltimore Ravens, who are top three as well. Um, they played the Buccaneers, who are number six. They played some fantastic run defenses, and they were still able to get some good stuff going from the run game. The run game opens up the play-action pass. It opens up a lane for big plays. But here is why I love the run game and the LA Rams so much against the Bengals. It's very important. Early down success rate against the run. The Bengals are the 32nd. They are the worst team against the run. In early down success rate. First and second down, they are horrible. The Rams can come out here, run the ball on first down, run the ball on second down. And if you don't get a first down from that, you're going to throw third and short, leave it to Matt Stafford, Cooper, Cooper, uh, Cooper Cup to get the job done. I love this angle. This is something that I dove into. And when I saw this metric specifically, that the Bengals are awful on first and down success rate against the rush. It's it's got to be the play for me. It's got to be it's got to be the side that I take. I cannot sit there ju- and justifyingly take the Bengals. Would I like the Bengals to win the Super Bowl? Yes, I would prefer if they won. Believe it or not, <laughs> I got to put my money where my mouth is. I gotta I can't bet my heart. I got to put my money where the stats is and where what tells me who's gonna win the game. And just looking at the statistics, if this game is played a thousand times, I think the Rams are gonna win seven hundred times. Oh my goodness! Is there anything though? I love it because you know we've been looking at the numbers all week. But every time I do that, and every time I see something like that pop up, I always just come back to like, but it's Joe Burrow. There's just something about him. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. I know it's not the way to uh, to choose your winners, but uh, there, it, I don't know. It just feels like Joe Burrow is going to be is still somehow going to make a make something happen here. You're right. And Joe Burrow is one of the reasons that this line is so close in the first place. I think I mentioned this to you two weeks ago, that Joe Burrow is the only reason that they were seven point underdogs to the Chiefs and not 15 point underdogs. Right. Joe Burrow's got almost like, dare I say it, a little bit of a Tom Brady feel to the point where whatever game he's in, no matter who's out on his team or who he's playing against or how bad they look at that certain time when Tom Brady's there, they have a shot to win the game no matter what, no matter the score, no matter the time, no matter how many injuries, no matter what the situation is. And that's a little bit what it feels like with Joe Burrow. And that was one thing that worried me. And that's what kept me up all week was, do I take this hot quarterback and maybe these four and a half points or hope that they win the game? And if I do, I'm going against my metrics. I'm going against what I believe in. And is Joe Burrow worth it enough to do that on a hunch on like this, see what seems like this team of destiny. If I do that, I have to admit and give it up to myself that I'm betting on the worst team. Objectively, I'm taking the worst team. And I, I like Joe Burrow. I like him a lot. And what he's done has been terrific. But at the end of the day, we can all say what we want with these stories and stuff. And would I be super shocked if Joe Burrow won the Super Bowl? No, I wouldn't. But I know that me taking the Rams, I'm taking a winning proposition. I know that I'm taking the better team and that if this game was played in excess times and if all the variables were gone, the Rams would win most of the time. So when you look at it from that standpoint, you, you're right. It is scary. And Lord knows what this Bengals team is going to do. You, Joe Burrow could go out there and throw, throw six touchdowns. But I gotta, I really got to sit with not my heart. I got to sit with my head and I got to sit with the research that I've done and I got to be okay with this and I am okay with it. And these metrics suggest the Rams are far better team than the, than the Bengals. Yeah, I mean, I've been in uh, you know Las Vegas way too many times to see people who've been playing the hot hand or the hunches or anything like that be awfully disappointed as yeah. they walk back to the bar with a handful of tickets or something like that. But what's interesting about the the Rams' ability to run the ball early on the early downs, 
starting to think of like some of the other things that people might be interested in in this game, that if the Rams are going to run the ball, that means that the clock's going to be moving. And it always feels like in these Super Bowls, and this is a feel thing for me more than anything else, it always feels like the game starts slow. There's a feeling out process that, you know, you, you, you chew a lot of time up on the, you know, the, a lot of the, a lot of clock gets chewed up, especially in the first half. Could we see a situation where, again, this game ends up like everybody, we've had such a fantastic time in the playoffs over the last couple of weeks. Once we got through the, the doldrums of the wild card round, which was horrific, which was terrible. But if, okay. but if, if the wild card round had to die for the divisional championship rounds and hopefully the Super Bowl, I think I'll take it. Yeah. But do you think that on Sunday we're going to be watching it and this first half is going to be kind of like, come on, guys, let's do something. I feel like it's going to be a slow first half. I, I'm completely in agreement with you. Uh, if you just look at past Super Bowls, just literally just only from a betting perspective, the the first half and first quarter under bets have cashed at, a, at an insane rate. Uh, if, even if you look at last year, Brady and Mahomes, uh, there was, I think in the first quarter, there was less than 10 points. They only scored, I think it was Gronkowski scored the first touchdown that, that came in the second quarter, which got everybody the under money. And here's the thing. Everyone was slamming the over, right? Because it was Brady and Mahomes. Well, right. the under one with, I think, four, with two touchdowns to breathe, which was huge, right? And these, in the Super Bowl, I think it just comes down to nerves, which is wild because all these guys are professional athletes, right? <laughs> but historically, these first quarters and first halves, are low scoring they go under the total whatever vegas puts the number out at uh and i think i the only thing you can really relate it to is jitters right because these teams yeah. could be lighting it up in the first halves of the, the game the other games that they play in but this is this is the biggest sporting event of the year this is the super bowl right and mm-hmm. so i think it the nerves and the jitters definitely have something to do with that and yes i agree with you 100 if i'm looking to do any first half or first quarter bets it will be under on everything under touchdowns under points uh under possessions like if the rams especially if they get this run game going and they start with the ball or something i can see them chewing up eight minutes a clock because i just don't see the Bengals being able to stop them stop this run game and stop the clock i just do not be I see it being able to happen you know what that's one of the scenarios that i see playing out as well you know sean McVay has been there he's played and he's coached in a super bowl it was a very low-scoring Super Bowl. It might have been yeah. the lowest-scoring Super Bowl since, like, yeah. Steelers-Vikings back in the day. I don't know. I don't have the, the numbers in front of me. But I just know it was a very low-scoring. Yeah. It was very boring. And I know a lot of people going into that game, like last year, were like, oh, I'm – and it's always more exciting to to favor point. Like, you want to see points. Yeah. And I think our, our will – and I think, again, going through this conversation – if you're talking about what we would love to see happen, we would love to see a lot of points. We would love yeah. to see Joe Burrow. We would love to see a recreation of the Bills Chiefs game or the, the Rams Chiefs from the LA Coliseum a couple of years ago. The reality is just not played out that way. No. And I think that if you're going to, and listen, I'm not advising anything. I'm just giving you information. I'm just saying, and this, again, I, I don't even have to look up the numbers because I've been to Super Bowls. I watch Super Bowls. I know that the first halves, I'm going to say it, they just kind of suck. They're not as fun. And I always know this too, because when you're with people who don't watch a lot of football, they're like, what is happening? Because I think (laughs) a lot of people, you'll be going to parties and you'll be hanging out. And uh, you know what? The the novices, like people who just enjoy this, they just want to be at the Super Bowl. They want to see the commercials and everything like that. They just want to be there for the fun. They have heard about Joe Burrow. And they're going to come into this game with the highest of expectations. It's like everybody that went in to go see Star Wars Episode Nine. They're like, this is going to be the greatest movie of all time. And then you walked out of it and you're like, what the hell did I just watch? 
I think there's going to be a lot of people who, you know, will be like watching this being like, I thought this Joe Burrow guy was good. Like what, what have I been missing? So I think that that's, that's a key. I do. I do like the idea of the Rams getting the opening kickoff drive, eight minute drive. But would you lean towards a Cam Akers rushing touchdown or them getting all the way down there and it's a slant pass to Cooper Cup? I, 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 Very I, specific. I know. Listen, I'm not going to hold you to this. It might be something that you avoid, but I always kind of – these kind of things interest me. Let's I love the question because I, I did quite a lot of thinking about this. And Cooper Cup, in my opinion, I actually think he's the best player on the field of both mm. teams at this point in time, which is crazy because Joe Burrow's there, right? Yeah. Um, I think Cooper Cup is the best player on the field. And I, I don't even think there's, I don't think there's a question about that. I really believe he's the best player on the field for both teams. Here's the thing though. He's going to be doubled every single play. You just saw what he did yeah. to San Francisco. He torched them to two touchdowns, a million yards. Th this guy's unreal. He's been going off. They're going to double, they're going to double team him. They have to. And that's another, that's, that's what feeds into my run game plan also, because I'm trying to envision out this game, right. And how this game's going to go. And I see Cam Akers. I actually made a small bet on Cam Akers to be the Super Bowl MVP just because Ooh. of how dominant I see this rush game being. I see Cam Akers scoring the first touchdown. I can see him scoring even two touchdowns. Cooper Cup, a lot of people, because, you know, the prop bets come out and everyone starts betting on all these touchdowns, all these props on yeah. all these players. Watch out for Cooper Cup, guys. I don't think he's going to have the game that everyone envisions that he will. He's going to be double teamed the entire game. I will be shocked if he's in any single coverage. I don't know if you agree with me when I say that. I, you know what? I am on record at the NFL Network. I was forced to pick my make my pick. I'm sorry. Let me make sure I'm framed up right. I don't want Sammy. I don't want to get messages from Sammy. Um, I when I made my pick, I I picked with my heart because I'm sitting. I'm you know an analyst. I'm an entertainer. I'm gonna pick the Bengals. And then as the weeks go on and looking over all the information, you're like, how do they overcome this? I understand too. You know, the Rams pass rush. You know, and but Joe Burrow has faced a pass rush that's been dominant like almost every week. Yeah. Like this, it, it's not like it, they got to the playoffs and all of a sudden he started getting sacked. This has been something that he has faced every week. It is something that has been thrown at him every week. And yet he continues to battle through it and battle back. And he's been successful. Like his passer rating when pressured is phenomenal. He still stretches the field. They're getting to it. Like it shouldn't work out this way. Like T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd should be leading receivers because the best way to defeat the pass rush is to dump the ball off. Like Joe yeah. Mixon should have 100 receptions based yeah. on what we're seeing. And yet Joe Burrow is doing the opposite thing. And what he's doing is pushing the ball down the field because I think a lot of teams will leave Jamar Chase one-on-one -on -one, and where a lot of quarterbacks will try to take this short dump off. If you're bringing extra pressure against him, and he sees that you're leaving Jamar Chase one on one. Well, he's going to Jamar Chase. Yeah. The luck, the thing that the, the biggest issue I have with that is that number one, it's likely going to be Jalen Ramsey, who will be the one on one guy with Jamar Chase. Yeah. And outside of Mike Evans, nobody has had success against Jalen Ramsey. And really, it was one pass play for Mike yeah. Evans where he was successful. Yeah, and sometimes yeah. that's all you need. Yeah. So that that's a big thing for me, too. We go back to the nine sacks against the Tennessee Titans, and you're like, well, Joe Burrow still won that game. They still overcame it, which is absolutely the truth. The problem is this Rams offense is not like the Titans offense. Well, I mean, if the Titans had a fully complete, healthy Derrick Henry, yeah. it would be very similar. The Rams have better receivers than the Titans. Yeah. Their current running game with an injured Derrick Henry, in a vacuum, 
in yeah. Madden with yeah. injuries off, we're taking Derrick yeah. Henry. But yeah, given the current construction, like yeah, and I think that Stafford is kind of like a he's almost a wash with Ryan Tannehill. Uh, so that's what worries me is the off like the offense. Joe Burrow was able to overcome that stuff going against the Titans. I just think yeah. the Rams are a different animal. And again, but you know what? I'm a I'm a heart person, and I don't have I, I'm not allowed to bet because I'm an NFL employee, yeah, so it doesn't yeah. matter. I can sit here and be like, yeah, everybody's like, nice pick with the Bengals, and be like, yeah, you're right, and I walk away. <laughs> it doesn't matter yeah. to me. Um, what do you think? I know I'm talking. I should be asking you questions. This is, this, but we're friends. No, I just no, feel like we're having a conversation. Like this is good. Um, what about Joe Mixon? I wonder, and let's say the Rams come out there. I love everything you said. Let, let's say the Rams are like, we're running the football. They're going to run it down their throats. It's going to be a very similar game plan to what they did against the Arizona Cardinals where Matthew Stafford threw for 200 yards. Cooper Cup did nothing. They just ran the ball, and they won handily. Um, what if the Bengals decide to counter that with Joe Mixon? Do you see a scenario where he could end up being a huge factor in this game? It's tough just because of that defensive line, right? Like that defensive line is so stout. And they, they played arguably the best rushing team in the NFL and the best rushing player in the NFL in Debo Samuel last week, right? And man, they shut them down. Uh, the 49ers have like a ridiculous play scheme. They have, they're one of the most intelligent head coaches out there, one of the most yeah. diverse and one of the toughest run games to diagnose and to really defend against. And they killed San Francisco on the run. San Francisco couldn't run the ball. I think it was yeah. halfway through the second quarter. I was saying you need to stop running on first down. You got to start throwing on first down because they're loading the box for this run and you cannot get past them. And then San Francisco actually started throwing the ball on first down. That's when they found success. And then they yeah. fell back to that running on first down when they when the Rams scored the touchdown to make it 17-14. The San Francisco started running the ball on first down, and that's what got them in trouble. They, they stopped having success on first down. It'd be second and long. And that's where Jimmy was struggling, right? Joe Burrow's a little bit of a different beast. This guy's not going to struggle on second and long like Jimmy Garoppolo will. But I don't see Mixon having a game at all. I just think they're going to stop this run. If they stop this run, that's gonna they're going to be able to load less people in the box. It's going to create more tension backfield. You're going to have more You're gonna have more people dropping backfield. The linebackers are going to be able to support the pass. I don't see Joe Mixon having a great game. I think this is going to be all on Joe Burrow's shoulders. I also expect the Bengals to be behind most of this game, right? So I don't yeah. see him rushing the ball that much. Look, Adam, one thing that I was really trying to di diagnose last week was, okay. did the Chiefs lose the game or did the Bengals win the game yeah. in the second half? What do you think? I, I came to the conclusion that the Chiefs lost the game. And here's why. After that after that mishap in the in the at the end of the second quarter going into halftime where they didn't get any points on the board, they were a complete mess, and you saw it in overtime too. The routes, the receivers weren't getting separation. Mahomes was not throwing the ball well. And what did they stop doing? They stopped running the ball. Yeah. They would have just continued to run the ball like they did in the first half. They would have been fine. They just needed three points and they would have won. They already scored three at the end of the game to send it to overtime. If they would have gotten a field goal, they would have been okay. There was an unlucky, unlucky uh, interception by Patrick Mahomes. He threw right to the O line, uh, right to the D line. That's but right, I came right. to the conclusion that the Bengals' defense, they played better in the second half, but it, they weren't the reason that they won that game. It was the Chiefs that threw that game. The Chiefs just played in the Super Bowl the week before, and in the second half it showed. You know, and it's very true. I know that the the Bengals like to break out some wrinkles and do some things that make make it difficult for opposing offenses. I think that they were they were dropping eight guys a lot. And when they got into these second-down situations, they dropped eight guys, and what they would do on third down – is they would drop eight, but they would bring a late rusher. Yeah. Um, I don't know if – I forget who it was, but they would always bring a late rusher, yeah. which really confused them. I think yeah. that with two weeks to prepare, I think Sean McVay watches that tape as well. 
again, that just, I don't know. Like it, it sucks because I want the Bengals to win. Yeah. I think that if I, if I had to be like a completely like, you know what, you have to make a pick to, uh, to, to, to save your house. Like the rant, like everything says rant. Like even like we got to get past the narrative at some point. And we've seen guys make miracle runs and you get to the Super Bowl and you're like, oh yeah, this, this, this isn't going to work. Um, I think with the experience of the Rams, I think that, you know, bringing in guys like Vaughn Miller, who did absolutely nothing during the regular season. And then it's the playoffs. He's like, okay, now I'm good again. Here I am. Here I am wrecking shop. Uh, I just don't see, I, I, I don't know. That 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 the realist in me doesn't seem doesn't see any scenario. Um, it just other than a Rams, like almost yeah, you, a, almost a blowout. You won last week, man, and you took them at even like almost double the point spread that it is at this week, right? You took them as seven and a half point underdogs to the Chiefs in Arrowhead. So uh, the look ahead line, look if the Chiefs would have won that game, the Chiefs would have been three point favorites this game. So. Look, I, don't doubt yourself too much. I don't like being on the opposite side of you. I think it usually works better when we're on the yeah. same side. But it makes me feel better when you saying that uh, you're you're realizing a little bit or you're not you're not sure about your pick anymore. That makes me definitely feel a little bit better about the Rams. Yeah, I. You know what? I would probably be if I listen again. I don't give any advice. Yeah, what yeah. you want to do with your stuff? Yeah. I just say that game that the Super Bowl always starts slow. Yeah. How about that? That is my 100%. biggest piece of advice. The Super Bowl always seems to start slow. The halftime show should be really good. You know what? Let's do it. Let's get your uh, your final pick. Where are you going? What's your final score? So I got the Rams to win the game. I think it's going to be 2013. I think it's going to be a really low-scoring game. You're going to see quite a few field goals, not many touchdowns. 2013 is a fitting score for me. I see everybody who makes these predictions. They do like uh, 35-28, and they do yeah. all these crazy scores. Um, it could happen. I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's going to be a very slow game. It's going to go way under the total. It's going to be a very, very slow pace, heavy run game. Lots of punts, lots of field goals. 20 to 13 for the Rams is my final prediction. 20 to 13. Oh, wow. Okay. I see where you're going. Um, I also go low scoring. I Listen, I had to pick the Bengals for, for the NFL yeah. network. I can't, head, I can't do that. I don't want to be that person that picks the Rams here <laughs> and uh, – and goes like, because then you, you've hedged your bet. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah. Like, which is actually the smart thing to do if you're in Vegas and you get an opportunity. Yeah. Like, if you if you took the Rams at plus 700 back in Week 12, yeah. there are some ways that you can ensure that you're going to walk away 100%. with uh, some cash. And you know what? You can go check out Cash at Run My Bets on Instagram, and you can find find you some ways to do what you got to do. But for me, I picked the Bengals. I'm sticking with the Bengals. I don't feel great about it. I don't. I have the lowest of expectations. I'm very pessimistic. I wish I didn't make that pick a long time ago. But you know what? Again, I'm a hard person, and I look at Joe Burrow, and I'm like, he's going to find a way to win. It's going to be 20 to 19, and so um, that's where I'm going to go. So we'll be on the opposite sides. But you know what? We'll let Sammy and Anello kind of figure out which way they want to go. I think yeah. they've listened to this conversation. But uh, thank you very much for being here, and uh, I'm sure we'll see you again very soon. Yes, in sir. the future but thanks for everything that you've done for the sick podcast with with adam rankin of course what you've been doing with the sick podcast with tony marinaro uh you do a great job you're fantastic i'm glad i got to know you this year i consider you a friend thank so, you so uh thank you for everything and uh we'll see you soon it sounds good thank you adam all right there he goes the great cash and i do want to thank everybody who's been joining us here for the last couple of weeks as we've launched this podcast uh, it's been a thrill having you on. Great to see everybody joining the the, the, the the talks that we have on Tuesday night. Do want to let you know a little bit of housekeeping. We're going to be here on Tuesday. I have not nailed down a guest yet for Tuesday or Thursday. 
of next week, but we're not going anywhere. I'm going to be here on Tuesday night. We're going to have a Q&A. We're going to have somebody awesome. It's going to be great. If you've not listened to the show from Tuesday night, I implore you to go seek that out right now. It is, listen, the three Q&As that we've done have been top-notch and they're timeless. So go back and listen to it. You'll have a great time with that. And of course, thank you for liking and subscribing the Sick Podcast with Adam Rank on uh, whatever, however you listen to podcasts. We really do appreciate it. So we'll see you Tuesday night. Enjoy Super Bowl Sunday. And with that, Sammy, let's roll us on out of here. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Adam Rank on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.